0: Welcome to Block in Order, the show that explores the legal issues facing the world of Web3 and beyond. I'm Kyle Lawrence, and with me, as always, his middle name is ETF Moish Peltz. (laughs) Happy New Year, buddy.
1: Happy New Year, Kyle.
0: That'll be something. And happy ETF Day.
1: Yeah, happy ETF Day. After a false start, (laughs) uh, we 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 we're finally in a world with spot ETFs.
0: Can you believe it?
1: Well, yeah, of course I can believe it. This has been like 10 years coming. <laughs>
0: it's it's going to happen uh, eventually. You know, new year, new you, new, new SEC is the mantra for crypto in 2024. <laughs>
1: hey, it's an election year, so they got to get their act together.
0: Fair point. All right, Moish, we'll kick us off.
1: All right. Well, we, we kind of previewed it already, but the first topic for today is the SEC has approved a Bitcoin spot ETF. So the Securities and Exchange Commission approved this launch, launching with uh, you know, some key players, including BlackRock, Fidelity, Grayscale. Uh, I think a total of nine applicants were all approved in one shot. So we're recording this on January 10th, tomorrow, January 11th. I believe at 9.30 a.m., you're going to be able to buy uh, at one or all of these nine new spot ETFs. In your 401k and your IRA, uh, without any further pain, no self custody, no whatever else you need to do. Um, so Kyle, how do you think the introduction of the Bitcoin ETFs is going to impact the potential for, uh, for other ETFs down the road? Yes.
0: It's a great question. And, uh, and, and I hate to to be that guy, but just so we don't get skewered in the comments, it was 11 total applicants. Uh, so, what it, I'm, there so you go. I'm the commenter now, and I'm the, I'm that guy.
1: You guys are going down, down O'Doyle. Right.
0: So I, I, uh, right, I obviated all of that. Uh, I mean, look, man, this is awesome. Uh, and, and you can tell by look at what's happening to the price of Ethereum just after the news of this, which shot up 13% in, I think, the hour after the news came out. So, it's just, it, it's bullish sentiment. It's what we've all been really hoping for. Not just the, the approval of an ETF, just some positive traction in the regulatory space. We've been so just beaten over the head with, you know, high profile bankruptcies and and just crashes and people losing their life savings in these things. This is just fantastic. I, I think this is great. Um, I'm, I would imagine you feel, you know, the same way. Um, and I'd be curious to, to get your take on, as more of a crypto native than I am, and, and you're more you know, plugged into the space with with your with your background. You know, what do you think is the next hurdle? If you know, if we could be so bold to even predict uh, what the next thing would be.
1: Well, yeah, I think I think definitely the question is going to be: Are there other alternative crypto assets like Ethereum, like Solana, like you know, you, you know, some of these other major coins or tokens, are they going to be listed next? What's their timeline? Like people are estimating kind of mid-year. I don't know if that's realistic or not, or is this right. kind of open the floodgates? You know, I'm, I'm really curious, you know, I, I think from a pricing perspective, I think the news was basically baked in. Um, but I think the more interesting question is now that you have institutional players like BlackRock and Fidelity that, that now have a a vested interest in these, in these, Products, mm-hmm. you know, that's what they are to them. They're products, like like anything else they're listing. They're not decentralized crypto assets that they're you know running a node and are right. in the decentralized ethos, right? So, h- how does the idea that you're going to have billions of dollars of investor money flowing into this asset class, sponsored by these massive um, institutional sponsors, how's that going to jive with? The idea that this is a self-custody asset, this right. is a, something you yeah. can run a node on. This is something that you can mine. You know, even though those things are more difficult, you know, uh, those are still possible. So, how, how do you how do you balance those two philosophies?
0: Mm-hmm. It's it, it. Listen, that's a lot, lot of lot to unpack in there, and a lot of great questions. I think it's interesting that it takes companies the size of BlackRock to to get this through. And in reading Gensler's. I don't even know what you call it. Uh, you know, at, at this point, it was like a ascent, dissent kind of thing. I think but me, he can't, mea
1: culpa. Is mea the... culpa.
0: But he can't just, you know, let people have their day. He's got to, you know, like poo-poo yeah. the whole thing. And he, But uh, he was exactly, the deciding
1: vote. He was the third vote in favor.
0: Right. But then he comes out immediately and just throws cold water, you know, on everything and saying, this doesn't mean we could, we approve of these products and you still have to be, you know, and all that nonsense. And I don't need to get yeah. into it now. But w- what I I love about this specifically, is that this is not a futures ETF, which has already been improved. This is a spot ETF. And what that means just for people watching is that if I'm a a retail investor, I don't actually have to buy Bitcoin. I don't have to go through the rigmarole, if I'm unfamiliar with it, of going on a Coinbase, just opening an account, linking my bank account, doing all those things. I can just buy shares in this ETF and the value of my shares go up and down as the price of Bitcoin goes up and down because it holds the Bitcoin. And and that's a, a great thing for the introduction of more people into the space, which is what we all want. It's so
1: much better for investors. So much better. It's it's criminal that investors have had to hold these futures-based ETFs for the past few years. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, it's terrible. So this is great. It's good for investors. That's what the SEC is supposed to be in the business of doing. So congrats, (laughs) SEC. Good job.
0: Surely we'll have all great things to say about our friend, uh, the Night King, Gary Gensler, uh, as we go forward with the rest of the episode. (laughs) Well, uh, it's not always sunny in Philadelphia because our our friend Logan Paul is in the news. The famous YouTube influencer had started this uh, a BCS project called CryptoZoo, and CryptoZoo is a blockchain-based game where uh, people could buy in-game currency called Zoo tokens that they could convert into eggs, and the eggs would hatch into animals that they could crossbreed with other animals, and there were rarity features, all that kind of stuff. And you could then take the um, crypto that you earned in the game, cash it out for fiat currency. Well, lo and behold, the game was never properly developed. The people that did use it uh, claimed that there was no way to cash out or even hatch their eggs. The, the whole thing was just a mess. Um, so what came out recently was that Logan Paul had launched a buyback program whereby he would commit over $2.3 million to repurchase um, any, any NFTs or, or tokens that people had bought. Uh, vis-a-vis the the project uh, the project and the program was sought to compensate people who intended to engage with the game he was very sorry about it he you know d- did the whole uh, i'm so sorry this is not what i intended kind of thing do you think that he was doing this out of the kindness of his heart do you think he was doing it because the sec was so aggressive what do you think really happened here
1: well i don't think people ever you know buy back 2.3 million dollars of something out of the out of the kindness of, of his heart. Um I I think this is a move to you know it's probably on on the one hand yeah to re, to reduce liability um probably both from a a civil kind of perspective, you know you don't want the people that bought these NFTs and lost lot lots of money to now go after Logan Paul. So what can we do to reduce the liability? Um let's let's implement a buyback program. I also think it's just a pure PR thing, right? Like he Yeah. He, that's what I think sold some NFTs and people are angry at him and say, all right, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll make it right. I'll make it right. Right. Um, so I think there's probably a little bit of both of that. Um, I do think though it might be, I mean, you look at the SEC enforcement actions against stoner cats um, and against impact theory. Great
0: point. Yeah.
1: And I think that the two themes that were running through both those decisions is that they had a buyback program or they had some sort of remediation plan. Mm-hmm. And the SEC gave them extra credit for that. They said, eh, that's that's, you know, we're we're not going to come down as hard on you as we otherwise would have because you did this. Right. Um, so look, may, maybe that's something um, that 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 factored into the thinking.
0: A little uh, background on some of the history of, of how this unfolded was originally a company called CoffeeZilla. Uh, had come out and reported that the whole thing was a scam and they skewered him publicly. And his initial reaction was not unlike some uh, rather prominent figures in uh, the United States government where he didn't accept... uh, a responsibility for it. And he blamed them for just trying to hurt his reputation. Um And then he has since deleted that video and deleted that, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So now he came out. So, so my cynical view is that $2.3 million is, you know, change that you would find in the couch cushions for Logan Paul. And he's doing this just to avoid us uh, and bad PR, but I don't want to slander yeah. him. I'm sure he has good intentions. I'm sure he's a nice guy and I'm sure he's watching this as well. So sorry, Logan, but
1: you know, well, I think there. we're kind of in, in this, this will kind of get to our next topic. We're kind of in the, in the, NFT, shutdown, M&A, meta. Yeah. So, you know, let's use that as a segue into our next topic. Um, You know, the Lazy Lions NFT project announced in their Discord channel that their leadership team would be stepping down and they would be looking for a new operating team that would purchase the entire project and continue to operate it. I was hoping they would do this in the format of, like, Willy Wonka and, like, have six NFT investors <laughs> come into the NFT factory <laughs> and, you know, see Love the Apalopos dance around. Uh, but instead, there's a structured uh, bidding process where um, they're going to, you know, solicit um, interested parties, give them an information packet, uh, I presume under NDA or whatever, mm-hmm. and then have an offer deadline where people are going to make their you know highest bids. And, you know, so it's like a structured auction. Um so you know Kyle what do you think of this auction process and is is this the new meta uh for turning over an NFT project
0: right well full disclosure just for everybody <laughs> oh no <laughs> This is oh, my, this is so my lazy line. I'm this sorry, a, Kyle. We
1: should have uh, <laughs> made a bid. I think the Block and Order viewers would have yeah. enjoyed the drama of us trying to run this project.
0: I, I'm curious to see how much uh, interest this has. I, I think they, they the offer deadline, I believe, is next Friday, and then they have a, a rolling you know, multi-deadline and process. But this is interesting because they could have just raised the white flag, as a lot of these projects do um you know lazy lions at a time was a very valuable project that you know was certainly in the top 10 for a while the most valuable one ever was sold for at the time 99 eth which was three hundred fifty thousand at the time so you know it's not it's not nothing but as you know interest you know in the nft space has waned you know a lot of the more prominent projects have not been able to keep up some have but not all of them have i happen to love lazy lions because i love animals and i love what they were doing for lion rescue and lion preservation but putting my personal feelings aside I think this is an interesting step in the sort of M&A process because they're using the tools that they have. Uh, they're using Discord. They're using their their base. And and we know that with NFT projects and with crypto in general, that participants in the ecosystem are excited about it and they believe in it. And I think if you open up this kind of opportunity to your participants, you're going to get some people who are probably really interested in it and could potentially do a really good job. What I would be curious about is how you value something like this. Yeah.
1: Well, is, is this is this more like a participatory community-based acquisition or is this more like almost like a structured bankruptcy auction, yeah, um, right? right? I think it's more is. like the latter, the way they set it up. Maybe it will result in the, a community member buying it. Um, and they said they had interest. They already. I mean, I think it makes sense, right? It's like mm-hmm. if you have several interested offers and are like, well, we've got a couple offers. What happens if we just right. told everyone, hey, we're selling this thing? I think it's an interesting way to do it and try and – get more money fundamentally, or maybe right. not even get more money. But I think one of the things they said, and we'll see, you know, who they select as the buyer is, well, mm-hmm. n- highest amount isn't necessarily the most important factor here. It's finding someone that is, you know, philosophically aligned to the community. That's going to be a good shepherd for the project.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And um, that's what, and that's what I mean with, obviously it can be, you know, on the, the first step towards a bankruptcy and, and just liquidating the whole thing, but by opening it up to your base, you can at least potentially get somebody who would be willing to do it. And let's face it, this isn't going to be a $40 million acquisition at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. I think it's certainly more creative than just shutting down or, right. or just selling to an investment fund or something.
0: Because they could easily just flip the switch, cash out and walk away and nobody would be able to do anything about it. So,
1: All right. So turning to our next topic, the Southern District of New York federal judge Rakoff has ruled in favor of the SEC against Terraform Labs and its co-founder Do Kwan. The court granted the SEC summary judgment and ruled that Terraform offered and sold unregistered securities, um, namely in the form of the stablecoin TerraUSD and the related uh, Luna and and its related coins. So the court ruled that all these tokens were part of investment contracts and thus were securities. And there was, however, a small siding with Terraform regarding some swaps and the uh, fraud claims were denied. Some judgments; of those claims will go to a jury trial. So, Kyle, what do you think this ruling signifies for the classification of digital tokens as securities now in 2024? I'm certainly
0: not surprised. I mean, you know, we've talked about different... Tokens and different projects being classified as securities and for people watching, it's not the thing you're selling. It's the manner in which you sell it. It's an investment of money in a common enterprise with an expectation of profit, profit derived from the expect, uh, profit derived from the efforts of others. Um, and you know, I've, I've come around a little bit because originally we were like, Oh my God, this isn't a security. What are we, what are we talking about here? But. We've all seen what the SEC has been doing over the past couple of years. We all know what their approach is going to be. That even today with the Bitcoin ETF, Gensler's coming out and he's openly saying, this: we're not going to change our tune on these things. It's like when I'm driving down Hillside Avenue, I think it's kind of BS that I get a speeding ticket because there's no cop there, but there's somebody taking a picture of me and poof, I get a ticket in the mail. But guess what? I know it's the law, fair or unfair. That's the way it is. And I think that projects and issuers and offers of these types of, cryptocurrencies, they can't play babe in the woods anymore. It's not going to work. They have to understand that this is going to happen. I don't care who you are. Um, and quite frankly, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. I know Do Kwan, you know, likes to unleash his army of professional botherers on people who deign to question him. Um, well, you know, a little Freud never hurt anybody uh, <laughs> on a Wednesday. Um, y- you're a litigator though. I'd ask you, you know, what are the Potential implications of the upcoming jury trial for uh, Terraform Labs in the crypto industry as a
1: whole. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I I'm curious to see if they end up taking this to a jury trial on just the fraud claims, or if that mm-hmm. motivates the parties to um, somehow settle out the rest of them, or or position it for an appeal without the jury trial. I don't know. Um, you know, I I think of the different Southern District of New York. SEC Securities Enforcement Actions, um, this was like the most obvious one that, yeah, like the, the way that they were marketing the the Terra and Luna ecosystem and the way you could right. like invest these products um, and then like guarantee to make a, a return. It was all like marketed as like, right. hey, put in money so you can make yeah. way more money um, very overtly. And it was terra 2.0 right back, back. it was
0: the, they were doing the airdrops for people who yeah it hey, come on
1: yeah but even like um like terra uh like the stable coin getting put into anchor and that resulting in like just like mm-hmm. they, they were marketing it just so aggressively as like guaranteed income um it, it just it just always felt it it always kind of tickled me the wrong way even at the time of the of the way they were marketing it um, so, that so you know, and, and if you read the ruling, right, there's just so many just ridiculous statements that you, if you, if you were trying to defend this project, it's like, oh, God, I can't believe that they said this kind of statements. And those are, of course, what's going to be in yeah. the summary judgment ruling uh, in the STLI. So there you go. got
0: extradited, right? He, I think if he was in Montenegro or something, and they, I think they agreed to send him back here. I, he I might... think
1: so. Yeah. Um, it, it's, you know. Trying to trying to track where, which like founder under what indictment is located right. at any moment of time. I, I hope someone's made like a tracker map, like you know the <laughs> the kid who has the Elon Musk jet app oh, or something.
0: That's a or, or the Shohei Otani plane. That's a, right. That's <laughs> you know what? I bet it exists. I bet we. I bet if we find it, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll link to that's it. Right. <laughs> All right. Turning to our, our good friends at Celsius, obviously everybody knows about the uh, the Celsius bankruptcy that's you know crowded the uh, you know the news over the past year. Um, but Celsius is something interesting happened uh, in in here recently. Moish, Celsius is addressing the issue of fund withdrawals made by account holders within the 90 day period before the bankruptcy filing. So what's happening here is anybody who withdrew over one hundred thousand dollar during that 90 day period. Uh, before the filing, they're now obligated to return 27.5% of the withdrawn amount, which would allow the creditor to avoid lawsuits and remain eligible for future uh, reorganization plan distributions. Anybody who is under the $100,000 mark uh, is not required to do anything. So you know, pretty interesting. If you whether you saw the writing on the wall or not, maybe you just took 100 grand out because you wanted to buy a car or braces for your child. Uh, Well, guess what? You got to return some of that money. Um, Have you ever have you ever seen anything like this? I I, forget about crypto. I I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. Have you?
1: I I think this is a very ordinary. Well, so you know, ordinarily what happens is anyone that has there's like a fraudulent transfer window. So if you that that right right the the bankruptcy filing and then you have like a, a look back for you know, I think typically 90 days before filing. And anyone that took out money of, of the estate in that period ordinarily has to just like give it all back.
0: But isn't that contingent on public information? I, I've, there's I've never... all sorts
1: of defenses, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not, I, neither one of us is a bankruptcy attorney, um, but, but, you know, there, there's, there's like, there's arguments on both sides, right? It's like, okay, you took out money right before the filing. That money should be your money. That should be part of the company, right? That's, right. that's the, the thinking. And so, so ordinarily, um, the the bankruptcy estate would go after all of those people that took money out, and say, "Hey, that's money that should go back into the bankruptcy estate and then be distributed pro rata to everyone that is entitled to money." Now, here, there's like tens of thousands of people that are mm. that are you know, creditors, and some of them took out money, some of them didn't, some of them did it for ordinary reasons, some of them didn't. You know, it's like whatever. Some people saw the writing on the walls, you said. Some people probably just. Right, and took it out. So, how does the court, like, parse through like tens of thousands of people that are doing this right. thing? Yeah. Um, well, it's like okay, this this makes sense. It's it's, it's like a settlement. It's like it, it's like a amnesty program, right? It's like, well, all right, under under hundred thousand dollars, just walk away free. Which is, I think thinking about like the people that did take hundred thousand dollars out before, like that's probably the right result. Yeah. It's like, and now it's been a couple <laughs> of years, so it's like. How many people are just like not going to be able to get that money back, anyways? Right. Um,
0: that, that's exactly right. So,
1: so right, but then people that took out more than that um, can now choose, you know, to to return twenty uh, seven and a half percent and basically settle their claim. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I, I, it's it seems like a pretty interesting, uh, but obviously it doesn't cover everyone. There's going to be people that are going to be kind of stuck in the cracks that, for whatever reason, they have more than hundred thousand dollars. And 27 and a half isn't the right result for them for whatever reason.
0: Right. Um, Or they were entitled
1: to have that money or some other justification. You know, so so everyone's going to have to kind of look at that.
0: I mean, and you have to assume that these people like that money is spent. It's not, you know, John Q public doesn't have $30,000 sitting around in a rainy day fund. I mean, some people do, but most people don't. So that's, that can be a real problem. Well, it's, yeah, and,
1: and that's and that's the point of this, right? Is like, and where it gets interesting is the big institutional players, like hedge funds and private equity, and you know, just high net worth people that had millions or tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars in Celsius. Yeah. Um, and and the, you know, for them, I assume, like, oh, here's twenty seven, and like, it, it, I think there's going to be a more complicated process for them. Right. Can I complain about,
0: the, about bankruptcy lawyers for a minute? Can you indulge me for one second? Because it's on my mind and I was reading up on the FTX bankruptcy. I know this is not on the, on the list today. Sorry. So the FTX bankruptcy it's very high profile. We all know that. Sullivan and Cromwell, one of the largest law firms in the world. Do you know how much money they build in 2023 in connection with this bankruptcy? Just take a guess. Is it,
1: is it $100 million now? It's half a billion
0: dollars, half a okay. billion with a B. Five hundred million dollars, Moish. That's one point four million dollars per day—not business day, but every day. I'm, Christmas I'm so day. $1. I thought I
1: thought I knew that, but I, of course, it's it's. Why would you know that? Dollars.
0: You do, you don't know that because it's a ridiculous number. It sounds like I just <laughs> made it up, but I didn't make it up. And how that is is protecting you know John Q. Public and these and these creditors who are trying to get their you know money out of this ecosystem while these guys are laughing all the way to the bank. I'm sorry. You know what the scam? Crypto is not the scam, and everybody's like, "Crypto is a scam," and Bitcoin is a scam, and look at the price volatility. No, we're the scam. Warriors are the scam. That is insanity to me.
1: Well, you're you're right. It's not a crypto because oh, I, rem- I remember right. like Lehman Brothers, and I I, th- I think it was Wild shall build a billion dollars in that bankruptcy, um, and and that's you know look it's these are, these are massive complicated bankruptcies. And it's not just the law firm, right? It's just professional fees, like there's there's experts, of there's trustees, there's this, uh, there's that. It's, it's hundreds of millions of dollars of, of Yeah. That's a yeah. lot of money. It I is. Mean, what, well, I, I read that the FTX one that the the shortfall between you know standard stand, I think it was somewhere sometime in December twenty three, the shortfall between the assets of the bankruptcy estate, so that's how much money is in the pool to distribute. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus like what was owed to people, like so the claimants, right. like the, the the delta between those numbers. Obviously, there's less assets to distribute than that people than, than there are people that are entitled to money. That's why they're in bankruptcy. But that the delta <laughs> at this point was basically e- equal to the professional fees. <sighs> so so if you add back in the legal Crazy. fees, yeah. um, they're they're now matching up because all of the kind of insane um, you know venture investments that SBF made like, uh, in Anthropic or whatever, mm-hmm. have, like, he's at he's the lottery, right? So he, like, turned $100 million into a couple billion dollars and, like, hey, we right. got money now, great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess. I mean, look, you and I work on complicated things. We don't charge half a billion dollars. It's like the lawyers are... You know, Rose DeWitt bucator on the door and the retail investors are Jack Dawson floating to the bottom of the North Atlantic to freeze to death. It, it's I'm sorry. It's disgusting. <laughs>
1: hey, but if you have under a hundred thousand dollars, you get to keep your money.
0: Now. Then you so, get to keep your money, right? They're, they're they get to working keep the heart of the, the ocean year. in their pocket and then throw it into the water to make themselves feel better and sleep <laughs> at night. Uh, thank you for indulging me.
1: <laughs> well, well said.
0: Well, that wraps it up for the... 2024 maiden voyage, Block & Order. Just remember that nothing contained on Block & Order is meant to be construed as legal or financial advice. If you're going to take the plunge down the rabbit hole, please consult your own attorney and your own representatives. Remember, if you like what we do on Block & Order, please smash that like and subscribe button. Follow us on all our socials. Links are below down in the show notes. On behalf of Block & Order, I'm Kyle Lawrence.
1: And I'm Moish Peltz. Have a good one. So long,
0: everybody.